Who has the best and worst return policies? I'm going to answer those questions as we hold the stores accountable this holiday season. Plus, and get you some last second deals and save you more cash than you thought possible. That's all coming right up. Hi, I'm the deal guy, Matt Granite. I am here to save you more money and hopefully more cash than you ever thought possible. So excited to have a lot of the listeners back from last week. If you are new to me or new to this, I hunt down deals for folks like Amazon, I've worked for USA Today as a consumer reporter for a long time, and I work for TV stations across the country, so you may actually know me from your local TV station. But I developed an algorithm not too long ago, which I use to try and pinpoint retail price drops, predict deals, kind of like a meteorologist or a forecaster on TV will give you a weather report. I do deal reports. But amidst all that, I, I also try to get as many subscriber questions answered on my YouTube channel. All of the deals and things that I'm going to mention right now also are things that you can watch online. So if I discuss a product and you want to see it unboxed or there's a website or resource, youtubedeals.com. Youtubedeals.com is where you can find me. But more importantly, I'm happy you found me right here. I know that there are people listening from one podcast to the next, like my friend Paula in Jamestown, New York. You are amazing. Thank you for listening. And for she asked actually some really, really good questions, which I'm going to incorporate into today's podcast. If you guys have questions, leave a comment on my YouTube channel or any form of social media. Let me know that you are here to get your questions answered and I will do that. So let's start first with the best and worst return policies. Keep in mind, tis the season of returns. A lot of folks looking to return gifts they didn't want. And I think that there's for a lot of the return policies that I see a lot of fine print. So we're going to go through those. We're going to expose some stores that I think really need to improve how they handle their so-called hassle-free return policy. But let's start with the best of the best. The first store with the best return policy is Amazon. No, I was just kidding. That's actually one of the worst. You thought I was going to say Amazon. There's, so there's a huge differentiation between good customer service and good return policies. And I think a lot of consumers aren't sometimes able to decipher. You have a store where you love the customer service. They may actually have a horrendous return policy. So <laughs> there you go. I will say, actually, <laughs> this, is, this is fun. The, the store that I do want to begin with is called Zappos. And they, they are owned by Amazon. So it's interesting that Amazon will not employ the same return policies or adopt them across the board. So Zappos is a shoe store. And I don't believe they actually started out as being owned by Amazon, which might be why the return policy is a little bit different. But... Oh, Zappos, Zappos, Zappos. They have unlimited free shipping. And on the shoes that you purchase, if they happen to be unworn, you have a full year to return them and they cover the cost of the return shipping. That is an exemplary return policy. Also toward the top of the list, I'm going to go with Nordstrom. Now, you may not shop at Nordstrom, maybe out of your budget, or you may look for time to time, but they're a very unique retailer because they do not impose any type of time limit on their exchanges or their returns. And if you don't have an original receipt, they will actually go to great lengths to help you locate it. They've done that in the past for me. So they really do have a phenomenal return policy, which is which is great to hear. If I had to add some other ones that you may shop for a little bit more commonly on the list, you guys know what the guess, the, can you guess the next one? Did anyone guess Kohl's? All right. So Kohl's is really a store that does live up to its hassle-free return policy. They really seem to take anything back for a full refund at any time. You just need to have the original receipt. So obviously, stores that offer these unlimited, infinite return policies, 
they expect you to have a receipt because they just don't want to be subject to people buying things 10 years ago and then trying to return them or items that weren't actually from their same catalog. Keep in mind, the more time that passes, it becomes more and more difficult for a store to actually locate when an item was merchandised or at least available on their website or on their floor. So they, that Kohl's would be an example of a, a website that has a great return policy. Bed Bath & Beyond, who I am a big fan of uh, their return policy. They are able to issue exchanges for really anything that you purchase in, in a lot of my research without a receipt. If you do have a receipt, even better. But they've they've been really great about taking things back and trying to help you at least get an exchange if something is defective. Anthropology is on the list. They offer full returns on pretty much anything without a receipt. Now, there are exceptions, like certain types of furniture I've noticed on the list. Is they kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for everything else, they've been really, really good. Costco is also on the list. They offer full refunds at any time for most of their products. Keep in mind that when stores have exceptions on electronics and appliances, which applies to Costco and other retailers, they're just working within the confines of what that manufacturer will allow. But they uh, they will work without a receipt, which is also impressive on the Costco front. So I would say that those are the stores that that definitely are on my top list. I would say that that in this, in terms of the customer service test that I've done, Macy's is definitely a store they've they've done some nice changes to their return policy. They give you 180 days to make a return within most categories. Of course, there are exceptions, but that's a that's a really good thing from Macy's. And I've been impressed by their customer service. Bloomingdale's as well. Uh, they give you a year to make most returns similar to Zappos. And if you don't have a receipt, they will also go to great lengths to make sure that you are able to facilitate the return. They will also make sure that you got the best price if you shop within a 180-day period. There, of course, are examples where they do not accept returns. And there's, I think, some prom dress examples, wedding dresses, things like that. But they do really well on that. Target is better than many of its competitors. We will talk about Best Buy and Walmart in a moment. But for the most part, they've been really good in terms of working with returns. They have some extended return policies, which have been good. And uh, if you make a purchase with a Target red card, I think you get an extra 30 days to make a return, which is a, is a wonderful thing. So there you are. All right. Let's discuss the stores with the worst return policies. I'm going to start with Amazon. I, I think Amazon actually has some of the best customer service anywhere on earth. But one of the worst return policies, they have 30 days for most returns. And the interesting thing is if you buy from a third-party seller on Amazon, which isn't always clear, especially if Amazon is fulfilling the item from the third-party seller. So have you ever seen, it'll say, sold from Bob's Bike Stores, but fulfilled by Amazon and it ships with Prime. You're kind of not sure sometimes who you're buying from unless you really look for the fine print. Uh, they Amazon has very little price matching. Just uh, They just don't have an amazing return policy, but they have incredible customer service, which does make up for it. And if something is defective or not right, they really will work around the clock to try and make that correct for you. But Amazon would, would be uh, one of the ones that I think could improve. They do offer some extended holiday return policies. Walmart, one of the worst. They have a flowchart or a spreadsheet that explains their return policy from one category to the next. You're dealing with seven days, 14 days, 90 days. It, it's unclear what you're buying half the time and what type of overall or overarching shipping return policy would return based on the day it ships and when you receive it. It's a mess. You need a PhD in returns to try and figure out what's going on. Best Buy has a pretty bad return policy too. They've got a 15-day return policy, which is not great at all. 
if you look at some of the competitors to Best Buy, and actually I'm Canadian, I'm going to discuss the source. The source is kind of like a Canadian Best Buy um, Future Shop, I think is, is one of them too. I don't know if Future Shop's still around, but uh, the source has basically the same catalog of products as Best Buy, but they give you 30 days to return most items, including some of the Apple products. And they have an extended window during the holiday season, which I think for items that I bought in November, I have until mid-January to return them. So that would be a store that I think, which again, Best Buy could improve significantly. I also think Best Buy customer service has been terrible in most of my tests. Lululemon, you guys know them, the clothing store. I think they are Canadian, but they are of course all over the States. Um, they have 30 days, which I think for a clothing retailer, given that there are stores that do a really good job, uh, Lululemon, stores like Forever 21, they could they could do a little bit better. Um, just wanted to throw that in there because I know a lot of people are buying clothing items this time of the year. The Daily Deal websites have the worst return policies. If you ever buy something from um, Woot or... Stack Social, Stack Commerce, they have a zero return policy in a lot of cases unless unless the item is defective. So the whole buyer's remorse thing, it's, it's great if you are available and knowingly making a purchase where you're not going to change your mind. But when you're buying for someone else, be really careful on the daily deal websites. And I know that I feature a lot of daily deals from websites, but generally the ones that I sort through have better return policies and just keep in mind, they are operating with razor thin profit margins, which is why they impose some serious restrictions. But it's again, you do not want to give gifts from some daily deal website that you have never heard of. Now for the second part of today's podcast, I'm going to do some listener questions and subscriber questions, and then I'm going to get to some great last minute deals and a couple of resources to make this the best holiday season yet for you. I, I should mention, I usually do the listener questions in the third part of the podcast, but if questions are coming in and they're great. And I actually want to go back to my friend Paula from Jamestown, who was purchasing two fridges. One didn't fit through the door, so she had to switch to another model from the same brand, from the same retailer, and noticed that the discounts on basically the same fridge, one model had $1,000 off and the other had three or $400 off. And she wanted to know, why do we see these aggressive price drops? What's really going on? And other than the fact that stores are sometimes trying to get rid of last year's model, there is a very interesting correlation between complaints that they receive internally tied to a fridge and what the manufacturer will allow it to be sold by. So to really simplify that, if there is a 2018 model of a fridge that is getting a lot of service requests. What stores sometimes do is they try to actually remove the incentives tied to that fridge. <laughs> so yes, they have to sell it, but if they're getting a lot of returns or any type of complication with it, they'll reduce it less and then sometimes put the model from, it could be a more current model or last year's model at a substantial discount beside it to dissuade you from buying the model that they just don't want to continue servicing. We saw this practice employed actually the most when Sears actually, they were really, really doing this all the time. You see it a little bit more at Home Depot and it's a very interesting tactic, but they just simply don't want to deal with returns or complaints on a product. And the more they accumulate, the more aggressive they're going to be on models of very similar specs. It's a, it's a very interesting practice, but you'll see it. And it sometimes confuses the shopper because you're wondering, well, why is this a thousand dollars off what's going on? And, and, um, that would be why the second question that I got, which is actually very good because tis the season of the power bank and powers and recharging and all that other fun stuff is from Michael. And he wanted to know what type of milliamp 
should he look for in a charger? And I guess we'll say my question is, it depends what you're charging. He didn't specify in his question, but it is really important to note that Generally, these days, if you want to get several days of charging for something like an iPhone or a Samsung and their recent devices, you want to look for at least 20,000 milliamps. That's the MAH that you see on the box. Some of those lame ones where you're looking at, I don't know, 10,000 or 8,000, it's just really not that, I wouldn't say substantial, but not good enough to get you through a few days without being tethered to a wall outlet. And in addition to the milliamp hours, you just want to make sure that the power bank also has something called smart ID technology. Smart ID technology just means the power bank has some understanding of what device it's connected to. That way it will not overcharge. It can also further determine the charging needs of the corresponding device. So for example, an iPhone or even an iPhone XS and an iPhone 8 or an iPhone Max, whatever, the names are crazy. <laughs> they all have different charging needs. The second you plug in a Samsung device or a drone or you're charging a Bluetooth speaker, you want to make sure that the power bank knows what to do because obviously it needs to have some form of overcharge protection and it also needs to have some way to make sure the battery is taken care of and the better power banks usually have some type of smart ID built in. So that's key for the power bank. The next question is from Monica. This is actually a really good question. This is going to, I think, bring us into our next segment technically because this is actually something that I wanted to focus on. I know I've done cord cutting, but Monica says that she has Netflix, Amazon Prime, she's considering Hulu, should she get YouTube TV, and she doesn't really know what platform is best for what. Oh boy. All right. I'm going to sit up in my chair and we're going to solve this once and for all. My answer, my quick answer for Prime Video versus Netflix if you are not invested in a Netflix show, if there's some award-winning Netflix show or even something that you love that is Netflix-specific, you're going to need your Netflix subscription. There's no way around that. If you are very much tied to a show that Amazon produces and Amazon has its own original programming, you're going to need Prime Video. Assuming you don't fall into one of those two categories, I'll break down what I think is best about both platforms. The Netflix collection is constantly being updated and you may have grown tired of it in some cases. I've heard from a lot of people like, I'm so tired of what's on Netflix. Fine. Awesome. The, the prime video collection is usually fewer titles and not as extensive of a collection in all categories as Netflix is. So Netflix is going to have more documentaries than Amazon might. But the great thing about Amazon's Prime Video Collection, which in some cases is really truly going to be enough to keep you entertained all year, especially if you have kids. The Prime Video Collection is tied to your Prime membership. So for the somewhere between $11 and $12 that you pay per month, you have basically a little Netflix built in. And for a lot of people, if you actually look at how often you're using your subscription service, how many movies you watch per year, which platform they're available on, there's a very good chance you may not need to subscribe to an additional service if you're already a Prime member. The Prime Video Collection is constantly being improved upon. It's not there yet. But based on the fact that it is worked into the free shipping benefits you're already getting and some cloud storage and some other things, it, it's this underutilized resource that a lot of people don't realize they have. They're always really surprised when I say, oh yeah, that's on Prime Video. They're like, wait, what? I have that? So again, there are a lot of people that have specific programs that they like from both, but that is, I would say both are good resources for original programming and movies. Here comes Hulu. Hulu 
which has various subscription packages ranging from anywhere between $7.99 and $12 a month. If you want ad supported, not ad supported and limited commercials, whatever it is that you choose. Hulu is single-handedly the best way to watch TV for most major networks. So if you want to watch your favorite Gordon Ramsay show, I have a Gordon Ramsay obsession. It terrifies my wife, but I will actually watch Gordon Ramsay programming while I'm eating. So if I'm eating alone, he usually needs to be on. Chopped is also a show that I love. But all of your favorite shows are most likely on Hulu. Hulu will have them a day after the fact. So if you've cut the cord and you don't mind watching Saturday Night Live on Sunday, you're going to find almost every new episode from most major networks. And Hulu is phenomenal. Hulu is for TV. The other resources are primarily for older TV shows, older TV seasons, and movies, but Hulu is just absolutely phenomenal for new television shows, current television shows. Huge fan of Hulu, beautiful interface. And I do not believe that for most people, you need a Hulu subscription and a Netflix subscription. I would do one of, one of either. You're going to find very quickly that you do not need both. They become redundant. They cancel each other off. And I, honestly, if you've all the time in the world to watch movies and TV shows all week long, I am so jealous of you. And um, chances are you do not need to work and you don't need money and, and you've infinite means and abilities and you can just subscribe to whatever you want. But for those of us trying to keep the monthly bills low, the one thing that I find, and I, I am talking out of both sides of my mouth because my wife has Netflix, we have a Prime membership, and I'm diehard on Hulu. So yeah, we, we I guess technically do subscribe to all three. We'll talk about YouTube TV in a second. But I, I think the key is we need to really audit ourselves. Because once you have... Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, if you add something like uh, YouTube TV or any type of subscription service, you're going to find very quickly that all of your monthly charges are almost equal to cable. And that's if you add on HBO or Showtime or some of those other networks that are available. So really keep that in mind. I, I, I think there are a lot of good resources out there for streaming, but I have some some very strong views about what's available. I've done breakdowns of DirecTV now. They give you some really good uh, options. Sling TV is amazing. They're a live streaming service too. I'll probably do a full podcast on Sling TV versus DirecTV now versus YouTube TV. But I, since this is a question, I'm just going to follow up on the rest of the question very quickly. YouTube TV. So some of you may be confused by YouTube because they've done a really good job confusing people. There was YouTube Red, YouTube Premium, and then I believe just over a year ago, they launched YouTube TV, which is basically your way to watch and DVR live sports shows and news. This is different. This is not uh, like Hulu or Netflix or Prime. So I want to make sure Monica, who asked this question, knows this. This is basically a cable-free live TV experience for $40 per month. You get six accounts per household. You get a cloud DVR storage. And it is, I don't believe it's available in all zip codes. Maybe it is now. It, it didn't start out that way, but it, you get basically... ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, you get all of your favorite programming from um, who are some of your favorites. If you have Disney, and that's a big thing, BBC, I think CNN is still on there. And if you are looking to enjoy live programming, almost as though you have a box plugged in, that would be great. I think one of the big drawbacks, though, of YouTube TV is that it does not have HGTV. It doesn't have food TV, and that aggravates a lot of people. Those networks are available on Sling TV. So I guess we'll really quickly get into Sling TV. Sling TV is like YouTube TV. It starts at $25 a month and they have 
uh, significantly fewer options in their base package, but they seem to be channels that more people want. They do have HDTV and they do, I think in their base package, yeah, they do have the Food Network as well. So that's $25 a month. And this is this is once you've cut the cord and you really need to watch live TV. So keep in mind, Hulu is great for television after the fact. Hulu does have some originals. They have a, a Stephen King series that I'm watching right now called Castle Rock, which is, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's great. But um, Hulu is not for live TV. In fact, none of these services I've just given you are live TV. So for Monica's question, once you get into platforms like YouTube TV and Sling TV, you're dealing with websites that are meant to give you a live TV streaming experience, which means live sports, ESPN, that's that's all something that's included in there. And I'll do a full breakdown and go through the costs and the benefits of either. But to answer your question, it's a personal preference. But my big takeaway message is that Netflix and Prime Video are very similar. Hulu is great for television if you can't find an older series that you want to watch on Netflix or Prime, which are both better for movies. And uh, YouTube TV is a completely different beast. It's a live television subscription service carried through YouTube where you are getting all of your favorite live channels or not many of your favorite live channels, depending on what the package appeals to you from YouTube through internet or fiber. So there you are. That is the breakdown. All right, then. So I uh, wanted to follow up on a couple of things from last week. I don't know if you heard my podcast on who has the best and worst customer service. It was really interesting because I got to list my customer service tests, which are based on many analysis that I've had from dealing with different companies. And it was, it was very interesting to see, but, uh, there's been, there's been a few other pieces of feedback from different folks that I've had a chance to deal with. And many of them are subscribers and listeners to this podcast. So a lot of you believe if you are a Comcast subscriber, that Comcast has some of the worst customer service you've ever encountered in your entire life. I heard from a lot of you that said Walmart, Bank of America was on that list. AT&T was on the list, which is interesting because Sprint is notorious for having bad customer service from a lot of people's opinions and Wells Fargo. So those were very interesting. If I had to find an alternate company for all of those, except for a cable provider of companies that do have very good customer service, but basically do the same thing, for Sprint, I would I would remind you that T-Mobile has some of the best customer service I've ever experienced. Uh, you do get sometimes transferred to their Manila call center somewhere in the Philippines, and I think once in a while India, but it, you can always ask for an American-based customer service agent if you do prefer that, and they've all been excellent. So I would say T-Mobile. In terms of banking, I've done a couple of customer service tests on both Citibank and Chase Bank as alternates for all the folks that hate Bank of America and Wells Fargo. I've also done some tests on TD Bank. I would say TD Bank has great customer service. They are slow to answer the phone. Chase was hands down the best. Like it wasn't even close. Chase answered the phones the fastest. The customer service agents were the most responsive and almost all US based. A lot of folks in Maryland and a few other centers within the United States. So Chase wins. Citibank, uh, what can I tell you? The whole times we're there, you get a lot of people in India and they are very responsive. So if you can get past the fact you're not speaking to someone in the US and they have a bit of a heavy accent, I wouldn't say City is the worst, but I was really impressed by TD Bank as an alternate. They have a lot of customer service agents in North and South Carolina, I believe also in Pennsylvania, and I, I just I thought they were great. So of the major banks, that those would be the customer service companies that I thought had better 
service. Walmart, what would be an alternate for Walmart? Target has better customer service. I mean, Amazon is incredible customer service. Amazon, you'll get it. India, some of the times in various other corners of the world, but their email-based customer service, their chat-based customer service is fantastic. I would say the fastest though is email for Amazon, just as a, as a one thing to take into account. A lot of people are dissuaded by email customer service. You feel like, oh, you just need to call someone. You just need to deal with something. Amazon had the fastest response time and the most effective handling of issues tied to their email-based email based customer service. I would say the chat-based customer service was not, it was very slow. They were responsive, but very slow. And the, the phone-based customer service is good. You, If you have a complicated issue, you are unlikely going to get someone in the United States if that bothers you, but there you go. So... Uh, that was very interesting because I love when when you guys weigh in to tell me who you think was best or worst. Okay, couple of final closing thoughts before you, the subscriber questions were so great this week. I really enjoyed these. So thank you guys for that. I would like to quickly conclude with websites that I think are phenomenal for last minute deals. For and a lot of this is just gender stereotyping. Like for example, a radio frequency ID protected carbon fiber wallet. That is that is a product that a man or woman could enjoy, but this is geared toward guys. So the first website that I want to send you toward for guys for last minute Christmas gifts, handsomebrandsllc.com. Handsomebrandsllc.com. Great stuff for guys, the survivalists, some very good last minute ideas for anyone on your gift list, in particular men. For women. And again, this is just, I'm saying this because they're anti-aging beauty products for women. They're also pillows, some really interesting bedding products, purewell.com, P-U-R hyphen W-E-L-L.com, purewell.com. That would be great for amazing last minute deals tied to women. And for techies or anyone that's just looking for some really cool in-stock home essentials, Intellishoppers.com. I-N-T-E-L-L-I-S-H-O-P-P-E-R-S.com. You may have heard me mention any of these websites in the past. These are my three favorite websites right now, and they're so useful for Christmas, the holidays, Hanukkah. There's just some really good gift items on here that are, are worth a look from. Robovax to power banks, ways to cut the cord. I mean, these are hands down the lowest recorded prices in all of the respective categories. And the best thing is on both of these websites, you're really looking at, I don't know, six or seven different products, maybe 10. And they're the hot trending items. And then these websites will shift over to new topics. And I, I love it. I, I don't like being overwhelmed. So that's what I find kind of some of the Amazon deal of the day pages. I, I just get lost. There's too many options. I don't know what to do. Just keep scrolling. Sometimes I just want a smaller list. So that would be my conclusion tied to great last minute gifts. We got through the questions and I really enjoyed getting to converse with you guys today. I know it's one-sided because I'm talking into a microphone, but I really feel like there is a relationship here because all of my material is built upon your feedback. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, my goodness, am I indebted to you? Thank you. I'm trying to get better at this format. I know I stumbled a little bit today and I was speaking very quickly, but I had a lot of information to impart and I know that your time is very valuable. So thank you for spending it with me. I love you. I really, really do. I appreciate you watching. I know when watching, <laughs> I'm so used to TV. I appreciate you listening and watching and it's, uh, it's just a really great thing to have you here. So of course I will have new podcasts every Wednesday. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The more you share the podcast, the better 
it makes it for other people in terms of discoverability. And then that's where I'm getting a lot of these great questions from. A lot of new subscribers. So thank you. So nice to have you guys here. Remember, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And um, you're already my favorite for being here. So thanks for listening. If you are celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Happy Kwanzaa. And if you're just celebrating you, you rock. Thanks. Speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.